Good evening. We are um, on the very bottom of 6b, Vavama Bays. Um, we're going to be referencing a Mishnah in, um, as we talk about the Olas Re'iyah, the Re'iyah offering, which we did give a minimum value to in the Mishnah. So now we're going to quote a different Mishnah that will be obviously, well, it will definitely be very much related. And the Mishnah goes like this, The following things, they do not have a measure. Okay, now we are on uh, 7a, Zion Omid Aleph. So the following things do not have a measure. Hapea, so that is um, when you are harvesting your fields, you're supposed to leave over the corner of your field. What that corner looks like um, does not have a specific measure. Bihabikurim, when you were supposed to bring your first fruits to, um, to the temple, um, and then they're given to the Kohanim, to the priests. Um, they don't have a specific measure how much is considered your first fruits. Vahara Ayon, and your appearance, and we'll talk about what that is. Ugamilus Chasadim, and acts of kindness, Vitamul Torah, and study of Torah, all of these do not have a measure. Um, okay, so now on that idea of the appearance does not have a measure, we're going to talk about what that means. What is this appearance? Amar of Yochran, Rabbi Yochran says, Kisavurin Anulomar. We at first thought to say, that when it says appearance, at this point of, in time, the Gemara is understanding that it refers to the Olas Re'iyah, the Ola offering that you bring when you appear in the temple on the festivals. And we first thought that that Mishnah was telling us that that there's no maximum value of what the Ola, with what the Re'iyah has to be worth. However, it does have a minimum value, which we explained in our Mishnah at the beginning of this tractate. Atsheba Rebbe Oshia Berebi, until Rebbe Oshia <coughs> um, came and taught us, Vilime, Vilime, and taught us, Hara'ayon Ein Loshir, that actually the Re'iyah offering does not have a specific value. Lolamalav Lolamata, not a minimum or a maximum value. And that is biblically of al but the sages say that the re'iyah, that the offering, um, needs to be val- worth at least one silver coin, or one silver ma'a, and the chagiga offering, the shtekesef, has to be worth two silver coins. Um, so what this is telling us then is that the Mishnah that we just quoted earlier that says that the Re'iyah does not have a specific measure, that is on a biblical level, it does not have a maximum or minimum measure. And our Mishnah, which tells us that it does have a measure, and in fact it's a dispute how much it needs to be worth, that is on a rabbinic level. Okay. My Now we're going to talk about this interesting usage of this word Re'ayon, which means appearance or something along those lines. Um, instead of the regular way of saying it, which is just the re'iyah, the re'iyah offering. So my ha'ra'ayon. What are we? What does it mean when the Mishnah says re'ayon? What does that mean? Rabbi Yochanan Amar. So Rabbi Yochanan is going to tell us that it's not just referring to the value of the olas re'iyah, how much that, that that sacrifice has to be worth, but it's also coming to tell, tell us something else about appearing in the courtyard, appearing in the temple on the festivals. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Re'iyas Panim Ba'azara. Rabbi Yochanan says that on the festival, 
it is totally appropriate to just show up to the temple even without um, even without a re'ia sacrifice in hand, as long as you brought one at the beginning, as long as you brought one the first time you came to the temple on the festival. Parish Lakish, Amarish Lakish says, re'ias panim bikarban, that it actually is, um, we're, uh, we're referring to coming to the temple and that there is no, that and that every time you come to the temple, it has to be bikarban with a, sacrifice and now we're going to uh, every time you come to the temple on the festival it has to be with a sacrifice with the special um uh sacrifice so that's a dispute so now we're going to talk a bit more about what this means when it comes to the main part of the festival which is the first day of the festival kuli alma lo no one argues no one argues that if you're going to come, if you're going to be seen at the temple, you have to have an offering with you. You have to have the sacrifice with you. Kipligi, where does there, when it, do we have this dispute between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish? That's Bishar Yemos That's on the rest of the days of the festival. So that's the first point we make on about this dispute. We're going to make a second point about this dispute. Kol hecha da asa Kolhecha, any time to Asa when he comes, Ve'aisi, and he brings a sacrifice. So if he comes to the temple on the later days of the festival, not the first day, and he brings an offering, Kule Amalopliki, nobody argues the Mikablamine, that we certainly accept that sacrifice from him. Kipligi, when is there an argument? De Asa Velo Aisi, it's when he comes to the temple on the other days of the festival, and he does not bring an offering. Rabbi Yochanan Savar, Rabbi Yochanan holds, Ri'ias Panim Ba'azara, that just coming to the temple itself is totally fine. The whole Amas Da'asi, that whenever you come on the festival, Lotzarech La'asuya, you do not need to bring an offering. Whereas Reish Lakish, Amar Reish Lakish says, Ri'ias Panim Ba'karban, he says that. Um, if coming to the festival, appearing in the festival has to be with a sacrifice. The whole emas de asi, whenever you come on the festival, you have to bring the sacrifice. Okay, so now we're going to go and um, challenge Rabbi Yochanan's view, and then we're going to challenge Rish Lakish's view. So first we're going to challenge Rabbi Yochanan. Eisvei Rish Lakish Rabbi Yochanan. Rish Lakish asks on Rabbi Yochanan. The verse tells us, that you shall not appear before me empty-handed. So we would seem very clear that on the festivals, which is what this verse is referring to, on the festival, you shall not come to the temple um, without anything in your hand. You need to bring a sacrifice every time you come to the temple. Omar Lay, Rabbi Yochanan answers, no, that verse is referring to on the first day of the festival. Then, uh, then that's what the verse is referring to. On the first day of the festival, if you want to come to the temple, you must bring a sacrifice. But after that, you need not. Okay, we're going to ask on Rabbi Yochanan again. Eisve, again, Reish Lakish asks on Rabbi Yochanan. Um, same verse. They shall not appear in front of me, before me, empty-handed. Um, they must bring sacrifices. Okay. So let's go a little bit further to see what exactly Rish Lakish's challenge is from, on Rabbi Yochanan from that b'risa. So let's see. Ata Omer Now, you 
say that you need to bring sacrifices, o eno ela, um, or, or animal sacrifices, I'm sorry, o eno ela or is it also possible to fulfill the commandment of not appearing empty-handed by bringing birds and flower offerings? Vidinhu. However, logic will tell you that only animals do the trick. Because we know that um, the Chagiga <coughs> offering, the Shlamim, the peace offering, the Chagiga offering that we bring on the festival, that was a commandment for the regular person for the festival. Yet when we're referring to the Ri'ia offering, that was a commandment given to the Gavoha, given to the Most High. Meaning the verse says about the Olas Ri'iyah, it says, You shall not come and see me. You shall not come before me empty-handed. So there's a direct reference to God, which we don't reference when we refer to the Chagiga, when we're talking about the Chagiga. So what we're saying is, is So just like the Chagiga, the, that was just a reference to the ordinary person, zvachim. It has to be that you bring animals, sacrifices, uh, for ia. So, so too, um, when it comes to the ria, to the to the ria sacrifice, ha'amura legavoa, which was directed by mentioning God, panai before me, reference to God, zvachim. Of course, it needs to be zvachim, animal sacrifices. And now we're going to go on a little bit further. Um, now we're going to go on a little bit further. Umahin zivachin. And what do we mean when we refer to... And what do we mean when we refer to these animal sacrifices? Um, okay, so, so at this point, um, we don't yet know that the ri'ia offering is an ola, a burnt offering, one that's completely burnt on the altar. All we know right now is that whatever the ri'ia has to be, whatever the ri'ia is, it has to be an animal sacrifice because we have a, um, we deduce that logically from the fact that the chagiga has to be an animal sacrifice. So for sure the ri'ia. But now we're going to say umahin zevachim. Now what category do the animal sacrifices of the ri'ia fit into? What type of sacrifice must they be? To that we say olos. They are going to be burnt offerings. Now, where do we know that from? Ata omer olos. You're telling me that they're burnt offerings, that the ri'ia is a burnt offering. O eno elashlamim. But perhaps it's just a, it's a peace offering, the ri'ia. Vidinhu. However, logic will tell us that they are burnt offerings. They are ola offerings. Why? Ne'emracha giga lehedyot. Because the way that the... Chagiga offering was described. It was a commandment for the ordinary person. Venemra ri'ia ligavoa. Whereas when it came to the ri'ia offering, it was directed as fana. You're bringing it before me to God. So we're going to say as follows. Ma chagiga The chagiga offering, which was a commandment to the person, to the ordinary person, baro'ilo, we would assume then, that you would bring something that is fit for the ordinary person, which is a shlamim, a peace offering. Is some of it goes onto the mizbeach, onto the altar, but most of it is eaten by a human being. So if the chagiga is going to be for the person that it was, if the chagiga, which was prescribed for the ordinary person, you're going to do a sacrifice which the ordinary person 
which would be given to the ordinary person. So then af so when it comes to the ri'iyah, ha'amura legavoa, which was specifically stated as being, you're bringing before me, before God, baralilo, you'd bring something that is fit for God's consumption. And what's that? That's the ola, the, the burnt offering, the one that is completely brought on the altar for God. And this makes a lot of sense. So that you don't have that your table is full. And the table of your master is completely empty. So what do we see here? So now what's the what's the proof? So now we went through this entire brisa showing us what the olas that the riya is actually an ola offering, but what are we? But we brought this in as a challenge on Rabbi Yochanan from Rishlakish. So what's the challenge? Well, it would seem very clear that that every time you come to the temple on the festival, you would need to bring an offering for God, because the assumption is is that throughout the entire time, throughout the festival, your table is full of all of those special sacrifices, all of that meat that you're supposed to eat um, in order to fulfill the mitzvah of rejoicing on the festival. And if and if you were to come to the temple during the festival and not bring anything, then you would have a situation where where your table is full and God's table is not. It must be that Rish Lakish is right, that as long as you're coming to the temple on the festival, no matter how many times, each time you have to come with an olas ri'ia, with a, um, a ri'ia offering to God. So Rabbi Yochanan, how's Rabbi Yochanan going to answer this? Amar haregel. No. When we talk about how God's table can't be empty when yours is full, that's only a reference to the first day of the festival. The rest of the festival, that's not that that doesn't apply to. Okay, we're going to ask another question on Rabbi Yochanan, another challenge in Rabbi Yochanan. Eisvei, so Rish Lakish asks on Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yehuda Omer. Rabbi Yossi, the son of Rabbi Yehuda, says, Shalosh Rigalim Bashana, the verse says, I'm sorry, Nitztavu Yisrael La'alos Beregel. There are three festivals during the year that the Jewish people are commanded to go up to the temple. The Chag HaMatzos, on the holiday of the Matzos, so Pesach, Ubechag HaShavuos, and on Shavuos, Ubechag HaSukos, and on Sukkot. And you're not allowed to come up in halves, which is probably best explained as in groups, and we'll talk more about that later. Because the verse says, all of your males. So not not in halves, not in groups, but rather all of them together. The Ainirim and they're also not allowed to come up to the temple empty-handed. Mishum Shinamar, because the verse says, they should not come empty-handed. So we see very clearly that you're not allowed to come empty-handed during the festivals. So this would seem to be a good question on Rabbi Yochanan, who says you can come without bringing an Olasriya. So So again, Rabbi Yochanan will respond to Rishlakish Be'ikar Haragel. This b'risa that talks about not coming empty-handed, that's only referring to the first day of the festival, not the rest of the festival. Now we're going to do the other way. Now Rabbi Yochanan is going to challenge Rishlakish. Eisvei Rabbi Yochanan the Rishlakish. Rabbi Yochanan asks on Rishlakish. So we have that verse that um, um, we had a verse that we've mentioned before um, that goes. That uh, tells us that um, all of your males shall be seen um, before Hashem, before God. And that word shall be seen can be read in two different ways. Yerah, yirah, can be read, read as shall be seen by God, and it can be read as shall see God. 
And we say that those two meanings comes and teaches us something important. Ma'ani bechinam, just as God sees you with nothing, ma'ani, just like I see you with nothing, meaning God does not bring sacrifices to the human beings that are coming. So I, God, see you with nothing, with nothing in my hands. Afatem bechinam, you too can see me without anything, meaning you're allowed to come to my temple and not bring anything. That's totally fine. This would seem to be a good challenge on Rish Lakish. Ella, and in fact, this challenge is so strong that we revise what exactly the dispute between Rish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan is. Ella, rather, the dispute is as follows. Whenever anybody comes to the temple on the festival and does not bring an offering, nobody argues that... Um, you can come up into the temple, umischazi, and you can be seen, vinnafik, and then you can leave. Nobody argues with that. Kipligi, um, what is their argument? Da'asavaisi. It's where you come to the temple and you do have a sacrifice with you. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan, who says that um, back going back to the Mishnah that we quoted at the beginning of the of this podcast, the beginning of this uh, lesson. Um, so Rabbi Yochanan who said that when the Mishnah says that one of the things that do not have a measurement is the re'ayon, is the appearance in the temple. And he says, re'iyas panim ba'azara. It's a reference to appearing um, in the temple. So he would say, re'iyas panim hu de'en lashir. It's appearing in the temple. That doesn't have a set measurement. You can come as many times as you'd like. Halakarban yesh lashir. But the sacrifice the karban re'iyah, the olas re'iyah, the re'iyah sacrifice, that does have a measurement. You're only allowed to bring one of them. And if you, you're not allowed to bring more, and if you brought more, that would be a problem. For Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish says, no. When the Mishnah tells us that a re'ayon, that the appearance does not have a set shear, does not have a, um, a uh, set measure, that's re'iyas panim karban. It actually means coming to the temple with an offering. That even the offering itself has no measure, has no measure. And in fact, you can bring as many olas um, you can bring as many re'iyah offerings as you would like. But now we're going to ask Anrish Lakish's opinion that how could you tell me that you're allowed to bring as many olas re'iyahs as you'd like? Eisfeir, Rabbi Yochanan asks Anrish Lakish. The verse says, <clears throat> the verse says, Hokar, this is a verse from Mishlei, from Proverbs, Hokar raglacha mi reyacha. Um, let your feet desist from coming to the house of your friend. So this is a, the, the house of your friend, the house of the one that you love. This is a reference to the temple. And it seems to be that you have to minimize your coming to the temple, meaning minimize your bringing sacrifices to the temple. So this would seem to be a question on Reish Lakish, because Reish Lakish says that you can bring as many olas re'iyas as you want, and this verse seems to say that you should minimize how the, the number of sacrifices you bring, and you should only you should not bring more than the one obligatory olas re'iyah sacrifice. So Reish Lakish will answer, Hasam b'chata'oz v'ashamosh. When it tell, tells you that you should minimize the ver- the sacrifices that you bring. That's just a reference to the chatas and asham sacrifices. Those are sin offerings and guilt offerings. 
um, brought for specific types of sins. And with that, with this, what the verse is telling us really is just keep away from sinning so that you don't have to bring so many sin offerings. Kid Rebbe Levi, and this goes well according to Rebbe Levi as well. The Rebbe Levi Rami, because Rebbe Levi, he uh, showed the following, he raised the following contradiction. Siv, the verse says, and he first quotes this verse from Proverbs, You should keep your <clears throat> keep your feet back, keep your feet back from the house of your beloved. Uchsiv, but yet on the other hand, the verse says, olos, I will come to your house, God, with olos, with ola offerings, plural. So which one is it? So lo kashe, so this is what Rib Levi said, there's no contradiction between those two verses. Kan when we talk about minimizing sacrifices, that's when it comes to sin offerings. Whereas this verse that says, I will come with a lot of offerings, a lot of olas, that's by, a lot of offerings, that's by, that's an ola and a shlamim. And we have another um, brysa that says the same thing. Tani nami hachi, we also learned this in a brysa. The verse says that your feet shall desist from coming to the house of your Lord. This is a reference to sin and guilt offerings. That's what you should desist from. Now you're telling me that that's a reference to sin and guilt offerings. Or perhaps... Perhaps it actually even refers to olos and shlamim, ola offerings and shlamim offerings, that even those you should you should not offer more than is absolutely obligatory. But then the Brisa goes on to tell us, Kishuhu Omer, when the verse says, Avo olos, I will come to your house with ola offerings, plural, ashalem lachanadarai, I will fulfill my vows, hare olos ushlamim amor. That's a reference to olos and shlamim. The verse quote very clearly says, and it says that you can bring as many as you should. That you know that you should bring. You could bring as many as you want. So if that's the case, then what then does the verse of you shall desist your feet from coming to the house of your Lord? Meaning, what type of sacrifice is that referring to? So the Brisa answers. It's um, sin offerings and guilt offerings is what the verse speaks of. Okay, now we're going to go back to talking about a point mentioned in an earlier brisa. It says that you're not allowed to appear, appear in halves because the verse says um, uh, all of your men, all of your males. You can't appear in groups. Savar of Yosef Lemaimar. So what does this mean? You can't appear in groups. Savar of Yosef Lemaimar. Rav Yosef thought to say, Mad isle asara banim, that a person that has ten children, lo liskiu ha'idna chamisha, he should not bring up today five of his children to the temple. Ulamachar chamisha, and then the next day five to the temple. He has to take them all on the same day. So that's, uh, we're now on Zion Amud Beis 7b. Amr le'abaye. So Abaye said to Rav Yosef, that's for sure not what that Brisa was referring to when it says you cannot bring up in groups. Pshita, it's obvious. You don't need a verse to teach us this. Obviously, you're not going to bring, you're not going to make five come up later and five come up earlier because which five are you going to choose to make into negligent people? reason, And which five are you going to choose to be the ones that are going to have been having shown alacrity? Right? Obviously, that's not a choice that you can make for, for people even though you are their father. 
must be so so therefore that's not what the Bryce is teaching us when it says you cannot come up in halves or in groups so what then does the verse what is the verse telling us when it says all of your males and it doesn't need to say the word all it could just say your males what's all of your males coming to teach us it's coming to teach us the teaching of the acherim of the others because we learned in a acherim omrim Others say, somebody that is picks up after um, animals, the feces of animals, and somebody that um, kind of melts the copper, and somebody that is a tanner. These are all exempt. People are all exempt from bringing the olas re'ia sacrifice, the re'ia sacrifice. Because the verse says, all of your males. Which means only those um, that can come up with all of your males, they are the ones, those are the people that are obligated to bring a Ri'ia sacrifice. And these people, they smell so bad, they cannot join a group of others because they just smell so bad because of their career. So Yatsu Elu, these people are excluded then, they're excluded from the obligation of the Olas Re'iyah because they cannot come up with the other males. And that's what the word Kol Zechorcha, all of your males, comes to teach us. Okay. We are now at a new Mishnah, and we're going to discuss something very interesting. We're going to talk about... Um, we're going to talk about the sacrifices you bring on the festival. So again, we have the Re'iya burnt offering. We have the Chagiga peace offering. And then we have the whole bunch of other Shlomim or peace offerings that we bring to uh, make sure that we have enough meat to eat and fulfill the obligation to rejoice on the festivals throughout the seven days of the festival. Okay, and what we're talking about is what type of money can you use to purchase these sacrifices? Um, specifically, are you allowed to use the money of Meiser Ani, the Meiser Shani, the second tithe? So there are different tithes that we're obligated to bring, that we're obligated to tithe, I'm sorry, um, uh, on different years in a, a seven-year cycle. One of those types of tithes is called Meiser Shani, the second tithe. And it's a tithe that has to be separated from your crop in the first, second, fourth, and fifth year of the seven-year cycle. And what do you do with that tithe? You have to bring all of that food to Jerusalem and eat it there. Now, of course, that would be a lot of food to bring to Jerusalem. So another thing that you're allowed to do is you're allowed to take the worth of all of that food, redeem it with money, bring those coins to Jerusalem, and then buy food there and eat it there. Okay, that's that's what you're supposed to do with the Meiser Shani. So the question is, can you take that Meiser Shani money, the one that redeemed the crops itself, can you use Meiser Shani money, the second tithe money, to buy this, the festival sacrifices? Because we do have a very important rule, which we're going to learn about more, that anytime you have a mandatory offering, sacrifice, you're only, you're only allowed to use unconsecrated money to buy a mandatory sacrifice. So which of these sacrifice so a Meiser Shani money, second tithe money, is considered consecrated to a certain extent. So the question is, is are you allowed to use it to buy any one of these sacrifices? And that is what this Mishnah is going to tell us about. So let's begin. Olos Bamoid. When it comes to the Ola offerings, 
on Chol Hamoy, during the intermediate days of the festival. So the first day of the festival in Israel and the last day of the festival in Israel are full-fledged festival days where you're not allowed to do any sort of forbidden labors. Then you have the intermediate days, which are lesser lesser degree day festivals. So we're saying that when it comes to the olas that are brought during the intermediate days of the festival, they have to come from unconsecrated money. Therefore, you cannot use second tithe money. However, the peace offerings that you bring, the shlomim, they can come from Meiser Shani. They could come from the tithe, second tithe money. Now, we will point out that what we're referring to when we talk about these peace offerings, we're referring to the Shalmei Simcha, not to the Chagiga Shlomim, but rather to the, the Simcha Shlomim, the rejoicing Shlomim offerings, that meat that you would bring, that you would offer as a sacrifice, that you would actually eat in order to fulfill your um, holiday festival obligations of eating meat to celebrate the festival. Okay. Now we're going to talk about the Chagiga, Yom to, uh, Chagiga offering, Yom Tov Harishon Shal Pasach, when it comes to the Chagiga of the first day of Passover, Veshamay Omrim Min HaChulin, Veshamay says that you have to pay for that, buy that type of sacrifice from unconsecrated money, so you cannot use second tithe money. Uves Hillel says, no, Minha Meiser, you could use, um, you're allowed to use tithe, second tithe money, it, it can be consecrated. Okay, Yisrael, now we're going to go on a little bit more. Yisrael, Yotzin Yedechov Asan. Yisrael, right? So the Jewish people were split up into Kohen, Levi, Yisrael, priest, Levite, and Israelite. So the Yisrael, the non-Kohen, um, can fulfill their obligation of rejoicing on the festival by eating the meat of the Nedarim Unadavos, just... Um, uh, Nedarim and Adavos are donation offerings, like uh, voluntary offerings, goodwill that you just you just vowed. Uve Meiser Behema, and you can also use the tithe of your animals. What is that a reference to? So every every single year, you have to separate a tenth of your cattle and your sheep and your goats, um, and then what you do with that? That's called Meiser Behema. It's the tithe of your animals. And those are brought as offerings in the temple each year, and their meat is eaten by human beings. Okay, so we're saying that any of those, the meat of any of those types of sacrifices, you can um, eat that, that meat and thereby fulfill your obligation to rejoice on the festivals, which is fulfilled by eating meat. The hakohanim and somebody that is a kohen who's allowed to eat from many more types of sacrifices, they can fulfill their rejoicing obligation by eating the meat of sin offerings of other people and guilt offerings of other people, and the firstborn animals of other people, and the breast and the thigh of the shlomim offerings because the breast and the thigh was a gift given to the Kohen from every shlomim offering. However, you cannot fulfill your rejoicing obligation by eating from bird offerings or from eat, by eating from flower offerings. So that is the end of the Mishnah, and there's a lot to talk about in the Gemara. And that's where we are right now, the Gemara on 7b, Zion Amud Beis. The first thing that we're going to talk about is when we refer to the Ola, when we refer to the Olas Re'iya, the, the Re'iya sacrifice, we talked about the one that's brought up during the intermediate days of the festival. 
Ela olos bemoed hu debaus minachul. And the inference would seem to be, um, but does this mean that the olos that are brought on the intermediate days, those cannot be brought from tithe money, but rather have to be brought from unconsecrated money? Habayom tov minamaiser, but the ola that is brought on the first and last day of the festival, the actual festival days, you're saying that those could be brought from miser, from tithe money? Amai, why would that be? When you bring your Ola on the first day of the festival, that's absolutely a mandatory offering. And didn't we say that any time that you have a mandatory offering, you're only allowed to bring it from unconsecrated money, which second tithe money is not included in. Now, perhaps what you'll tell me is that what the Mishnah is coming to teach us here to olos b'moed ba'os that the burnt offerings the ola you're allowed to bring them on the intermediate days biyom tov on ba'os but they're not allowed to be brought on the festival days the first and last day of the festival in israel is that what you're telling is that what the mission is telling me it cannot be like that come on because who would that be according to who is it that says that you cannot bring an ola on the first and last day of the festival, Kebe Shammai. That would be only going according to Be Shammai, the Academy of Shammai. It's not, because we learned in a Mishnah as follows: Be Shammai Omrim. Be Shammai says, Mevi in Shlamim. You're allowed to bring Shlamim on the holiday, on the festival. The Ein Somchen Alein, but you're not allowed to do Smicha on them. So what does this mean? Okay, let's just talk about this for just a moment. Um, when you have your Shlamim, Shlamim. Um, are um, basically so. So when it comes to the festival itself, on a on a on a, Shab- on a Shabbos, when it comes to Shabbat, you're not allowed to cook on Shabbos. You're not allowed to do any forbidden labors on Shabbat. On the festival, on a festival, you actually are allowed to do forbidden labors if they are for the purpose of food preparation. So what Beishamai is telling us here is that when it comes to the Shlomim offering, which is eaten by a human being. A little bit of it is brought onto the altar, but most of it's eating by the human being. So that you can bring on the festival because that's for human consumption. So even though it entails different forbidden labors, such as slaughtering, um, even though it does for, um, include forbidden labors, it entails forbidden labors to make it happen because it's for the human consumption, then it's going to be allowed to be done on the festival. But you're not allowed to be so on it. You're not allowed to lean on it. So prior to offering a sacrifice, prior to offering a sacrifice, um, specifically the private sacrifices, you have to do a smicha. You have to lean on the animal with all of your might. Now, the, the halacha is um, that the Jewish law tells us that rabbinically you're not allowed to make use of animals on a festival, on Shabbos or on a festival. So therefore, Beishamai is telling us you're not allowed to lean on the animal because that's making use of it. It's supporting you then. You're not allowed to lean on the animal before bringing it before bringing it as a sacrifice on the festival. Avolo olos, but you're not allowed to bring an ola offering whatsoever on the first and last day of the festival, on the real days of the festival. Why not? Because an ola is completely consumed on the altar. So it's not for human consumption, and we only allow the forbidden labors on the festival if it's for the purpose of human consumption. That's the opinion of Beishamai. Ubeis Hillel Omrim, and Beis Hillel says that is not true. Mevi'in shlamim ve'olos. 
on the festival itself, you're allowed to bring both shlomim and olos and olas. This and you also are allowed to do smicha. You're also allowed to um, to lean on them. So that's the opinion of Beis Hillel. So what do we see? So we see that Beis Hillel holds that you can bring an ola on the festival itself. So it wouldn't make sense to say that a Mishnah was come that our Mishnah is coming to teach us that you're not allowed to bring an ola on the festival and only during the intermediate days of the festival, because you would not have a Mishnah that only goes according to Beis Shammai in contradiction to the opinion of Beis Hillel when we go ahead and we say that we always paskin, we always decide in accordance with Beis Hillel. Okay, so if that's the case, then we have to still understand why did the Mishnah specifically refer to an ola brought on the intermediate days of the festival, when in reality, seemingly, the law would be both true for an ola brought on intermediate days and, of course, on the festival itself. So we say, um, You're right. You have to look at the Mishnah, as if it is missing words, and this is what it's really teaching us. Olos nidarim unidavos, the ola offerings and the vow offerings and the goodwill offerings. Bamoed baos, they are brought on chol hamoed, they are brought on the intermediate days. Biyom tov enan baos, but during the um, festival, on the festival itself, they're not brought. Meaning these are, ta- we're talking about general, okay, so what we're talking about here are the general olas. So if you just brought an ola that's not a specifically um, festival-mandated ola, or you just wanted to bring a vow offering, those you're not allowed to do on the... um, A a vow offering that happened to be an ola, or an adava that happened to be an ola, those you're not allowed to bring on the festival because there's no specific obligation to bring those on the festival and everybody would agree that because they are specific, they're not part of they're not done for they're not for human consumption whatsoever then you're not allowed to do the forbidden labors in order to make them happen um the olas ri'ia however the ri'ia ola the sacrifice that we bring when we appear in the temple which happens to be a, an ola that's brought on the festival. And even though it's not for human consumption, we have a verse that tells us that it must be brought on the festival. So therefore, um, that will take precedent. That will take precedent. And when it is brought, then it only can be brought from unconsecrated money. The Shalmei Simcha, whereas the Shalmei Simcha, these are the sacrifices you bring just so that you'll have the meat in order to be able to rejoice properly on the festival. But in Afmina Meiser, they can even be brought from the second tithe money because they're not, we don't look at them as actual mandatory offerings. They're only mandatory, they're, they're not mandatory offerings. Um, you could theoretically have enough meat from the from the mandatory offerings to provide you in the entire festival. If it happens to be you're in a situation, these are more situational, these types of offerings, that if you find yourself where you don't have enough meat, then you need to bring more sacrifices so that you'll have enough meat to fulfill your obligation. So that's not considered a mandatory offering, and therefore um, therefore, they can be brought from consecrated money, such as Meister Shani, second tithes. Vachagigas Yom Tov Harishon Shal Pesach, 
and the Chagiga offering of the first day of Pesach. Beishamai Omrim, Beishamai says, Min um, they can only come from unconsecrated property. Whereas Beis Hillel says, Min HaMaiser, it could actually come from tithes. It could come from the second tithe. Tanin HaMihachi, and we also learned this in a Brisa. The Brisa says as follows, Olos Nedarim and Adavos, non-mandatory. So these are vow offering, vow olas, or goodwill offering olas. Bamoid bos, they can uh, be brought during the intermediate days of the festival, but they cannot be brought on the festival itself because they are not for human consumption. You're not allowed to do all the forbidden labors if it's not for human consumption. Whereas the ri'ia type of ola, that can even go on the festival itself because there's a specific mandate to bring a ri'ia on the first day of the festival so that will trump the rules uh, that will trump the usual forbidden labor rules. When you do bring it, it's only allowed to be brought from unconsecrated money. The shlamim offerings that you bring for rejoicing, they can even be brought from miser, from tithe money. And then the Chagiga offering of the first day of Passover, Beishamai Omer Beishamai says, Min um, can only come from unconsecrated money, uh, and therefore not tithe money. says, Min it can even come from, Maiser can even come from tithe money. Okay, so now we're going to ask one more question before we call it a, before we call it a day. Um, we see very clearly that the Mishnah refers to a, the Chagiga offering as the Chagiga of the first day of Pesach. Now, my Shnah Chagiga is Yom Tov Harishon Shal Pesach. Why is the, why, what is different about the Chagiga offering of the first day of Pesach? Why are we singling that out? Seemingly, we would be referring to the Chagiga offering of Pesach and of Sukkot and of Shavuot, of all three festivals. So, Amar of Ashi, Rav Ashi says as follows, Hakamash Malan, no. What the mission is teaching us is as follows. Chagiga's chamisha asar in, the Chagiga offering of the 15th day of Nisan, which is the actual first day of Pesach, that has to come from unconsecrated money. Chagiga's arba asar lo, whereas the Chagiga offering of the 14th day of Nisan, that need not come from unconsecrated money. It can even come from consecrated money. It can come from money of tithes. What is the Chagiga of the 14th? That's not the festival yet. It's the day before Pesach. Well, the rule is, is so on the 14th, we bring the Korban Pesach. We bring the, the Pesach offering. And the rule is, is that we're supposed to, the, the Pesach offering is supposed to really fill us up. It's supposed to satiate you. It's supposed to be the last thing you're going to eat that night. And if you have a big group that's all sharing one Pesach offering, then there's no way it's going to satiate you. So then the rule was, is you should be bringing a Chagiga, a, 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 an offering on the 14th, eat that, and therefore when you, you'll already be partially full, and then when you split the Pesach offering, that will completely satiate you. And what we're saying is, is that for the, the, the offering of the 14th that you bring before you eat the Pesach offering, to make sure that when you eat the Pesach offering, it satiates you, that offering can be brought from unconsecrated, can be brought from consecrated property, can be brought from the Meiser Shani, can be brought from the second tithe, because it's not an obligatory type of sacrifice. Alma Kasavar, 
which means, therefore, we see that this Tana, that the writer of this Mishnah, the author of this Mishnah holds, Chagigas Arba Asar Lavda Oraisa, that bringing that sacrifice on the 14th before you eat the Pesach offering, it's not a biblical, it's not mandated biblically. It, it's just a more of a, it's the right thing to do, but certainly not a biblical commandment. Okay, we will uh, stop here. There was a lot in that, um, in that daf, in that, that uh, I'm sorry, in that uh, daf that we just learned. Um, but now that I'm, it just hit me, we just did a daf instead of an amud. We just did, we, we usually just do an amud. Um, okay, so this will be for um, today, for Thursday, and as well for Monday. I apologize about that. Um, this is a much longer uh, podcast than we usually do.